welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. Uh, You guys can all open up to Psalms chapter 46. Psalms 46. Uh, If you're using one of the pew Bibles there in front of you, it should be there about page 598. Psalms chapter 46. I'm always amazed every single time I get the opportunity to preach how God orchestrates the service to all fit together. Um. And honestly, we could walk out today right now, and that would be enough. Um, those songs were exactly perfect for today's message. Uh, they lay the groundwork of what we're going to be talking about. And um, the songwriters can probably say better than what I can say. So uh, bear with me as we go through this passage. Um, but it, it, is, it is awesome, exciting truths in this passage, Psalm 46. And I've entitled today's message, God is Still on the Throne. God is Still on the Throne. It's very easy to think today with all the different things going on in our lives, whether it's in politics or around the world, over the Middle East, or tsunamis happen, things of these, these great natural disasters that we look around and say, God, where are you at? But be assured that God is still on the throne. It doesn't matter who we elect as president. It doesn't matter who do we elect as representatives. It doesn't matter any of that. They will all pass, but God will still be there. And God is still on the throne. And it's so fitting, again, especially with that last song, Behold Our God, Seated on His Throne. Now, when you hear the word throne, what comes to your mind? Majesty. A big chair. A big chair. Okay, yeah, they typically are big, right? You never see someone on TV with a small little, you know, black little chair right here on his throne, right? No, it's usually this massive seat. What else when you hear a throne? Power. Okay. Authority. A mountain, royalty. These are all great words. These all represent, when, you, when we picture a throne, and I'm sure we've all seen a movie with a throne in it, that's what our mind goes to. And that's exactly what I want us to have in our backdrop, in our minds as we go through this passage and realizing God, our Savior, is still on the throne. It's representation of power, authority, and complete control. If you were a king, especially back here in the Old Testament time, and even today, we have kings around the world that still are in certain countries. If you're a king, you're it, right? You're a god. You're the law. The buck stops there. You don't just walk into the king's presence and just start shooting off requests, right? The king is the ultimate authority. Now, whether you uh, respect President Trump or not, if President Trump were walking in this room, what are we supposed to do? Stand up. Not because of the person, but because of the position that he holds. And the same thing with the king. When you walk into the king's presence, back then a lot of times they would actually kneel before him. But there would be this representation of authority, of power, of understanding that this guy, he could just say one word and have me killed. In a much greater sense, our God is the God of all gods, and he's on the throne with complete power, authority, and complete control. Now, we're not exactly sure where this psalm, Psalms 46, was written. Um, But... Studying through it and looking at some of what the scholars think, 
very, very likely it could have been written right after 2 Kings chapter 19. And in that story, is with King Hezekiah. They were surrounded by the Assyrian army. And there was siege about to take place on, their, on the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. And Hezekiah prayed and said, God, basically, we're outnumbered. We need your strength. We need your, we need your authority. We need your power. And the next morning, what happened? There was 185,000 Syrians killed overnight by the, by the angel of God. That's the powerful God that we serve. That's the powerful God. And with that in mind, this Psalm 46 may have well been written. With the excitement of God of deliverance and the very present help in trouble. So that amazing truth that God is still on the throne is going to give us three main points as we go through the psalm this morning. The first one being is that the truth that God is still on the throne gives us strength and courage. Let's read verses 1 through 3 again. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Now, we've all faced trouble in our lives, and maybe you're going through a trouble right now, but be assured you will go through a trouble at some point in your life if you haven't yet. And what does God say in his word? He is the one that is our help in the time of trouble. God has called our refuge, our strength, and help here. And our refuge means our only accessible, delightful place of retreat is our God. Strength means that our sufficient, unconquerable, honorable strength is in our God. And the help in trouble means our ever near, sympathizing, faithful, and real help is our God. That describes the God on the throne today. And as we reflect through those thoughts and and reflect through those adjectives that describe God and who he is for us, um, that should give us a strength. That should give us a strength as we go through these different trials. There's there's that help as we go through it, and there's also that place where we can retreat to. He's our refuge. He's someone that we can run to when we run into that trouble. But he not only gives us strength, he gives us courage. Psalmist says, therefore, we will not have fear. And it, sometimes we feel like, well, yeah, of course I won't have fear. But look, look what was going on. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. No matter what's going on, and this, this, this picture here is just absolute chaos and destruction going on in the earth. And at the time, probably when the psalm was written, the Israelites were feeling that. It felt like the world was literally crumbling in on them. Where is the God that he promised he would be with us? And what does God say? God says, you don't need to have any fear. Right? It's easier said than done, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been in a position where I've been through mountains being moved around me or the earth trembling, or I've never even been an earthquake or one of major destruction. I've seen stuff on YouTube and TV, and to go to those people and say, hey, don't worry about it, don't have any fear, humanly, you're like, yeah, right, right? But it's that internal calmness that we can get from God, that internal courage to face it. Um, I don't know if any of you have been on the water at all when a storm is coming up. Um, I know some of you guys get seasick. How many of you get seasick real easy when you're on the water? Okay. Um, I love being on the water. I love going fishing. 
And uh, there's been one or two times when we've stayed out a little too long. You can see the, you know, you can see the uh, cold front moving in. You can see the thunder off in the distance. You're like, oh, we can keep going. We can keep going. We're fine. And as it gets closer and closer, the water starts getting a little more rough. And it's like, we better head in. Because you do not want to be caught on the water when the raging waves are around you. I remember one particular time when I was fishing with my buddy down in Delaware. And we were just on a pond. So we weren't even in the ocean. We were in this small little pond. And this cold front came through like in a split second. And we had white caps in a pond, which I didn't think was possible. And they were, it was beating the shore. It was beating our boat. And literally, we saw some of the shore. Uh, there's a tree right on the shore. And the water had, and the wind had pushed the, pushed the ground off of the water. And you could see the root system underneath the tree. It was so powerful. And at that moment, we were a little scared. Uh, and you can imagine, those are the pictures. Those are the things that the psalmist is trying to tell the people that, hey, you guys, are, you guys are here right now. You guys know what's going on. You are in trouble. Humanly, you have a lot to fear about, but you don't need to because God is still on the throne. He is the one that is going to give you the strength and the courage to get through it. Now, when you're facing times in your life, you know, it's, it's easy to turn to different things. But just like the Israelites eventually did, they don't always do it, but sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. In this case, they did. They turned towards God. Do you turn towards God? Do you turn towards God for that encouragement, for that courage, for that strength that only he can? He's promised he would never leave us, never forsake us. He never fails. He is on the throne, and he's going to provide us the help that we need. Now, not only does this truth give us strength and courage, it also gives us provision and protection. Uh, Look in verses uh, 4 through 7. Let's read those again. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So in verse 4, we see that there's a there's a river laid out as a, as a picture here. And as I, I studied this psalm, uh, the river, I think, is a twofold representation. I think there was an actual picture in the mind that they had because during this time, it was during wartime. And if you were going to take over a city, one of the basics, basic elementary principles in wartime is to cut off the supplies of the people you're trying to attack. So back in Bible times in particular, you, they have cities, usually were near, uh, near some sort of river of water flow that would obviously give them water, but also nutrient the crops. Um, also, sometimes they would use that for mobility to send things down throughout the city, things of those nature. And very easily, what you could do, depending on how the city was set up, is you could go to the top of the river and cut off the water circulation. Or you could diverge it so it goes away from the city. And then eventually, the people would either basically starve to death or they would have to come out and fight you. And so there's a picture there of this powerful river that's provision and providing for his people. And I think as a, as a symbol and reflection as you read through the Psalms, um, because it is poetry, it is, a, it is a book of which they would literally take these Psalms and sing them in praise and adoration towards God. And I think the river here also represents the grace that God gives through this. Because it's, it's very interesting that he chose river as the word here. Um, a lot of times in the Bible, uh, there's, 
the uh, water, rivers, oceans are used to describe many different things. In this case, it's a river. Now, many of us, I'm sure, have been on a river or seen a river before. And unless you're at the top or the bottom of it, when you're in the river, it seems like this river never ends, right? Whether you've been whitewater rafting or kayaking or tubing or just jumping in the water, um, it just seems like there's this never-ending flow in a river. And as the Bible says, from that river whose streams made the glad, the city of God. So even off that river, there's actually little tangents that go off into this. And it's just, it's an awesome picture of the way that God's grace works in our lives. So not only is our God the one that gives provision with that, he gives us protection. Let's go back to verses 6 and 7. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. God provides provision and protection. In this case, protection is the main focus. Because God is still on the throne, our protection is sure, and our fortress is in him is certain. Uh, the picture is pretty intense. If we look at the words, the nations rage and the kingdoms totter. So when you think of the word rage, right, it's not just like, oh, hey, how's it going? It's like intense anger. I want to kill you. I want to take you over. I think of uh, a roaring fire, if you think of a raging fire. Um, in my backyard, I burn my trash. So I have a burning barrel. And I'm a little bit of a pyrotechno guy. I love fire. And you're not supposed to play with it. I understand that. I do everything in regulation, I'm sure, and in code. Um, but when I burn my trash, sometimes the flames get pretty high, especially when you start out, and there's a lot of things that are flammable, and the flames get high. Uh, one of my favorite times of the year is at the end of Christmas, I get to take my Christmas tree and put it in my burning barrel. And man, that thing lights, I'll tell you much. When you light a Christmas tree, the flames go up so high, and that's the picture I have in mind. It's this roaring fire. It's raging. Now, thankfully, it's kept within this burning barrel, and it's not going anywhere. Um, but that's the picture there. It's raging. It's, it's overtaking. It's, it's strong. And that's what the nations around Israel are right now. The kingdoms totter. So even though the, a kingdom around them may have looked like it was very powerful, in the end of it, God is the one still on the throne. And the kingdoms, all they needed was a little push by God, and they would totter off. That's nothing. I'm sure, I'm sure we've seen a teeter-totter or a seesaw, right? And there's just that little balance act. It doesn't take much for, for it to, to get off to the other side. So think about this. The nations around them, they're raging to want to kill and take over Israel. And what does God do? Does God send a mighty, mighty angel? Does he send a whole army of people? The psalmist puts it as this. He utters his voice. That's all he does. He doesn't shout. He doesn't yell. He doesn't, he utters. He basically is, it's the picture of God saying, quiet. And then what happens? The earth melts. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's how powerful our God is who is on the throne. He just needs to utter his voice and everything crumbles. That's the power of God. That's the protection. That's the provision that comes from our God. And he is the Lord of hosts. As verse 7, it says, he's the God of Jacob. He's our fortress. The same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. It is the same God of today's church. The same God that protected the lineage of Abraham through Jacob, through Isaac, through all them, 
is the same God that works for us today. He is the God of God. He is the Lord of hosts, and he is on his throne. So not only does his truth give us provision and protection, strength and courage, but absolutely this truth that he is on the throne requires us to reflect, reflect and praise him. And that's why these, verse, these songs we sang this morning were, were perfect for this. It was such a great collection of praise and worship for the greatness of our God. Let's uh, jump in verse 8 here. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters a spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We are called here to reflect on the words of the Lord. The Israelites had seen firsthand how amazing things that God had done with the conquering of their enemies and making himself known among all the nations. But today, we see the same thing, don't we? If we take the time to look around, we can see God work. And we have seen God work, both in this church, and I hope you've taken time to see in your personal life, you've seen God work. Now, it's, it's not easy, especially when those times come when, when the nations rage and, and when these things in your life come up that, that just humanly stink. But those are the times that we need to turn to God for that courage and for that strength. Are we taking the time to praise God for these things? Now, verse 10 is probably um, a very well-known verse by many of us. We've probably seen it maybe on, um, I think we even have a canvas in our church somewhere that has this verse on it. It's a very common verse. It may even be your life verse. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. An absolutely easy verse to read, incredibly hard verse to live out, Right? This is God himself inserting in this psalm. He's speaking. God is saying to the nations and to his people, be still and know that I am God. It's twofold here. He's telling the nations, quiet. Know that I'm God. You're not king. I am king. I will dethrone you and make myself great. And then it's also twofold in the sense that he's telling his people, his children of God, be still. Know that I'm on your side. I have this. I have complete control. You don't need to fear. It's an absolutely awesome picture, an awesome verse to know that. But think back in your own life. Think back in this past week. Have you taken the time to be still? In fact, I want to do something right now, okay? For the next 60 seconds, I want everybody just to be still. Don't say anything. If you want to sit there and close your eyes and pray, don't fall asleep. Close your eyes and pray. That's fine. We're just going to be still for 60 seconds, okay?
Okay, that was 60 seconds. How many of you, that was kind of weird? Raise your hand and be honest. <clears throat> right? It's kind of like, why is everybody quiet? Right? We have this need in our lives to always have sound, always be doing something, always be doing five things at once, none of them good, right? Multitasking, it's not a talent, it's a distraction, right? But that's not what God calls us to do here. He says, be still, know that I'm God. Do we take the time to do that, to really think? I know we're all busy. I know we have full lives. I know we're packed with a million things, and it doesn't help the world we live in right now, especially with technology literally at our fingertips that can be distracting every middle second of our lives, being worried about our updates and being worried about our email and be worrying about what we have going on after church, and there's a hundred million things and reasons we can say we can't be still, but that's no excuse. Because God, who's on the throne, is asking us to be still and know that he is our God. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite hobbies to do is hunting. And a uh, byproduct of that is you get to shoot stuff, which I like shooting guns. But um, the, one of the coolest things is about hunting is, especially deer hunting is, you get to go out there super early in the morning. Now, I hate getting up in the morning unless it's for fishing or hunting. It's kind of weird how it works that way, right? Um, but I'll get up crazy early, like 3.30 in the morning. Because in the winter, you know, it doesn't get light until it feels like 8 o'clock. Um, but you get out there super early. And the woods are crazy quiet. And if you're sitting in a deer stand, and hopefully it's not like negative 20 degrees, it's always too cold because you can't move and you're, you know, your toes start falling asleep, but you're in the dark. You can't see anything and you can't hear anything because everything's quiet. Even the animals are quiet at like 5 in the morning. And it's a great time literally to sit there and reflect on God. And also try not to fall asleep and fall your deer stand too. But um, It's one of the coolest things. And when that sunrise comes up and you start hearing the squirrels move around, though they get annoying, and then you hopefully get to hear a deer come in, it is such a cool time to reflect on the beauty of God around you and take that time to literally be still. Because again, our lives are full of not being still. And we're almost forced to not be still in our lives. So think about that. So just some... Closing thoughts and takeaways as we go out this week. Because as Eric prayed in his, his closing prayer before I came up, he said, pray that we don't leave today unchanged. And hopefully something that you've read today in God's word may have something that I've said has, has kind of pricked your thinking of doing something and changing, and I hope so. So here are some three very easy takeaways to take away this week. First of all, do you know this God on the throne? Not do you know about him, not have you heard of him before, not have you had this spiritual experience, but do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life when you've turned from your sin, repented of it, accepted that free gift of salvation based on faith alone, nothing that you've done? Because if you've done that, you know this God. You know this king. You are his child. And as the child of the king, you have free reign of the kingdom. So relish in that. And if you, are, if you don't know this God, feel free to come up and talk to myself or one of the elders. We love to show you from God's word how you become a child of this king. Secondly, where are you turning for your strength, comfort, protection, and provision during the trials in your life? Um, as many of you know, a couple weeks back, my dad passed away. And when he passed away, in that time, it is, 
obviously very humanly very sad. And there's a lot of questions. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine. He's like, yeah, when your dad passes away, it's a weird experience because he passes, but the rest of the world keeps going. And for that moment of time, your life stops. And the, the world around you is not the same because someone that you love and is part of your family is no longer here. And those that have experienced something like that, you know what I'm talking about. But during those times, when that happens, where do we turn? Do we turn to friends and family just to kind of get out of it, not think about it? Those aren't bad things, but that's not where we're supposed to turn to. Do we turn to a drug or some sort of other activity to just numb our minds so we don't have to think about it? No, that's not where we're supposed to turn. We're supposed to turn to God. The same God that has delivered Israel during this time is the same God that's working with us today and wants to provide for us. And lastly, do you take time to reflect and praise him? This one, I don't know about you, this one is probably the hardest one for me because, again, of the world we live in. Um, the job that I do now is I work for an IT company, and um, a lot of times uh, part of my job is we remote in onto people's desktops and help them fix their problems. Um, and it's, it's funny. You never know when you go onto someone's desktop what they're going to have up, right? It's kind of like... Uh, a hidden, like a magic bag that you pull out something and you never know what you're going to find. So I go on, this, I go on some people's desktops, and they have so many windows open, it's just beyond brain comprehension. You know, they have like four web browsers open with like 15 tabs. They have like three different radio stations playing. Uh, they have their Outlook calendar up. They're sending four emails. I'm just like, my brain would explode, right? But that's the culture that we live in. If we're not doing 10 things at once, we're not doing our job right, right? Wrong. <laughs> because obviously, honestly, if you're doing multiple things at once, typically we're not doing them very well. Um, but more importantly, it's a lifestyle change that we need to work on. Because if that's the lifestyle we have at our workplace, we tend to bring that into our home, and then we tend to bring that into our devotional life with God. Where, okay, I'm going to read my Bible on my app, and while I'm on here, I'm going to check my email, and then I'm going to talk to my kid, and then I'm going to... And we start going down this road. Before we know it, our devotional time is not one of being still and knowing that he is God. It's just something that we fit in with our multitasking ability. So do you take time to reflect and praise God? Now, I know a lot of us, you would say, I'm not a singer. I'm not, I can you know, carry a tune in a bucket, that type of thing. I'm not talking about outwardly singing, though you can do that if you like. We take the time to not just reflect on God, but praise him. That's why these psalms were written, a lot of them. They were literally almost like victory songs that they would write after conquering an enemy. And it was just a praise of God's deliverance and provision. So do we do that? Do we take time to write our own little psalms, whether you write out your prayers or whether you take the time to really think through what you're saying to God and praising him for it? So think, think through those things. Do you know this king who is on the throne? Do you go to him for your strength, comfort, provision, and protection? And do you take time to reflect and praise the God on the throne? Let's pray. God, we do thank you so much that you are such a great God. God, I just ask as we go through the coming weeks and months, and as life continues to ramp up and, and never seems to slow down, that we would take your word as it says, 
God, first of all, I pray for those in this that's hearing my voice that may not know you. They, they do not know the true king of kings. And I ask that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would be willing to uh, break down their pride and come and talk to someone about that. Lord, I also pray for us as we go throughout this life, and it just seems like sometimes when it rains, it pours with trials, and that it just seems like there's a never-ending uh, of hopelessness. But God, we know that you are the God of hope. God, we know that you are on the throne in control, and for whatever reason, you have certain things allow our lives to grow us and change us to become more like your son. And so I pray for us in the room that are facing those. And God, lastly, I pray that as we go out this week, that this would not just be a normal week in 2018, but it would be a different week, a week in which we find time to quiet our hearts, stand before you, and worship you. Because God, honestly, you are worthy of praise 24-7, and we cannot praise you enough for all that you have done. Lord, just waking up this morning and having breath in our lungs is to praise, the ability to walk. God, there are so many things throughout our life that we need to praise you for, and I, and I pray for our, our body here that we would do that this week. We ask in your name. Amen.